Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Don't know why I gave that so much energy for a P1 podcast with Matt and Tommy, because this is the Brazilian Grand Prix, and uh, I know I have to do some talking about things I don't want to talk about, uh, but that's fine. We're all good. You're good, Tommy. You're great. I mean, your goat and your favourite driver, both on the podium. So, you know, at least one side Lovely of the, the P1 camp is going to be happy. Yeah, it's normally me, isn't it? It's always you. <laughs> Australia, tw- uh, no, Austria 22. Yeah. That was the last time it was me. Boy, that was a long time ago. Yes, it was. Thank you. It feels a long way ago. But before we can dive into all of the Brazilian Grand Prix shenanigans, we need to mention that the P1 Live show is happening. 3rd of December, Manchester. 5th of December, Glasgow. 10th of December, London. Glasgow is sold out. But London and Manchester are still available if you want to get, uh, grab a ticket before the these they, they, they probably sell out as well. That'd be amazing. Can't even believe that that's even a thing that's happening. But anyway, if you want to go find out more about that, there's links in our YouTube and also uh, on our social media as well. And we'd love for you to come along. Right, Tom Bellingham, Brazil. Shall we start with your most memorable moment? You'll be shocked to hear that my most memorable moment is about... Fernando Alonso. And of course, yeah, you wouldn't have guessed, would you? Um, But of course, it has to be those last laps with Fernando. Um, Just superb driving. It was, if you watched our Twitch stream, you'll know I mentioned it as well, that one of my favourite moments of the year, to be honest, because it, it was such a surprise, I think. I think that's what made it such a, it's so exciting uh, was it felt like Alonso was such an underdog in that situation. You know, Perez is driving the Red Bull, which is, you know, dominating the season. Alonso, the Aston Martin had fallen off massively, looking a lot better this weekend. And he was hanging on and it looked like um, he wasn't going to, well, he was going to just about hold on. And then as soon as Perez got by, I was like, that's it. There's absolutely no way. Like it's over, gutting, last lap, he's not not going to do it. And then for him to actually fight back, repass him and do it is sensational. Like, what a man. What a man. Surprised you've got a hoodie on, mate. You seem really <laughs> hot, hot under the collar over your faces. Uh, you, uh... I just love him. I just love him, honestly. Just so good. I absolutely love it. We need to get it. you and him just in a room, have a little meal together, you know, just really, <laughs> really let the, let the love... Let the love uh, really come in. But yes, Fernando Alonso. My goodness me. Uh, I'm glad this happened at the end because it made me forget. And it was such uh, a brilliant battle. Uh, There's a question actually from Oblivious92. How was Alonso able to hold Perez for such a long time? Because the game. Well, Fernando Alonso. That's not the answer, (laughs) Tommy. It's obviously helpful, in your opinion, that he's the GOAT. Um, But... How did he keep Perez at bay? I mean, it's a mystery in some ways, because I'm sure up and down the paddock, they are like, how did Perez not get on the podium in a Red Bull? But we have been asking ourselves that for quite some time this year. Uh, But Perez had been looking better this weekend. I wouldn't say miraculously better, because he still finished 34 seconds off Verstappen, who was ultimately cruising at the end. But back to Alonso... It was experience. It was years and years of experience. And he knows how to defend like no other. He's he's one of a, a, a very few amount of drivers that I think could have pulled off that masterclass uh, that Fernando Alonso did uh, for this Brazilian Grand Prix. He took such unorthodox lines. 
I found it absolutely bewildering that the kind of lines he was taking, especially around Junkao, uh, I think it's called, uh, which I mentioned in funniest tweets, where he wasn't going anywhere near the apex. He was going right round the outside, squaring off the castle or Ving the corner, I think as Martin Brundle called it, and just always focusing on getting an amazing run out the corner. And he did that time after time after time after time until a couple of laps from the end where he was still doing it, but Perez just got close enough uh, to, to give it a good old go and managed to get through Alonso somehow through the, the warrior, the lion within him, managed to stay within DRS, had no chance into turn one on the final lap, but he just, it was all about nailing that, that center S if you wanted to have a chance at the car ahead this weekend. And he did. Perez, I would say, didn't. Perez had to do literally what Alonso's been doing for 15 laps for one corner. And he didn't manage to do it in the same way that Alonso managed to do it. And he, and he steamed back through. Tommy screaming. I've never seen so much <laughs> energy come out of, of the Bellingham side of the house before. But my God, it was great to watch on all counts. It was so good. Like, like you say, it was that final corner was the key. Uh, the fact that he managed, um, because I was actually watching the race back just then, because um, my wife was watching it on a delay, actually. Um, and I went back up, saw that uh, it almost felt like it was just happening at the end. But it was like 40 laps into the race and Perez was about a second behind Alonso. So he was holding him off for like the whole race. It wasn't just like the last four or five laps. And yeah, it was it was superb. The fact that he, like you say, squared off the corner, and that just gave him just enough that Perez couldn't get the like he got the DRS, but he couldn't close quick enough. And one thing I will credit Perez with before I uncredit him for something else later uh, is the move on Alonso was very good. Uh, you know, dive down the inside; it was very brave. And then he was able to do just enough that Alonso couldn't get back past him. He covered the inside line, um, which is something Hamilton didn't do, actually, at the start of the race that we were kind of saying, like, why is Hamilton not covered, um, you know, the inside for, for Alonso there? Perez did do that really well. But then Fernando was just clever enough to stick with him through that whole infield section. And the the clever thing that Alonso did was he knew that he was never going to beat the Red Bull into turn one. And he had to almost scare Perez into thinking that he might do a dive bomb down the inside of turn one. And that's exactly what Perez thought he did. So Perez actually ended up defending fresh air a little bit. And Alonso could just take his normal line through those first few corners. And it meant he got an amazing run uh, through those corners. Uh, and It was just a yeah. tiny little... Tiny little jink from Fernando. It wasn't yeah, anything like I'm, it wasn't. I'm coming. It was just, it was just like a little. Oh, I might be. I'm, I might be coming now. And then yeah. Perez. I don't think uh, Perez again. He didn't. He didn't necessarily defend a huge amount, but there was just that part in the back of his mind which he had then to compromise just, his corner. Yeah, just a tiny bit of compromise. That's all he needed, right? It wasn't like he went really deep and it was an easy move for Fernando. It was just not as good as a center S if Perez was on his own, and that was the that was the key difference, wasn't it? It was. Uh, and going back to the, well, well we're still just mentioning uh, some Alonso brilliance before we get onto uh, the pain train uh, for you. The, All aboard. <laughs> or choo-choo, but not in the choo-choo you were hoping for. No, not the Ferrari <laughs> hype train, that's for sure. <laughs> um, we were actually just d discussing when we 
were watching the, the highlights back, kind of forgot how crucial for Alonso's race that move on Hamilton was as well. You know, the bravery to go up the inside and just know that he had to make that move because that's uh, another reason why he stood on that podium when he may well shouldn't have been. Um, the Aston was, of course, a lot, a lot better. And um, it pains me a little bit uh, because they've almost unupgraded the car to get back to it. And uh, I didn't even uh, think about this. Uh, so just have a little, little bit of pain uh, for me. Um, but God, wh- why now? Because Singapore was that meant to be that race where the Aston was going to be really good. And I'm like, well, if they had this car for Singapore, they could have been in the mix, but they fell off at the most annoying time because I really, really want to see that Fernando win. But you know, you it's know good to see him is, back Tommy? up there. <clears throat> you know what that is? Yeah. We don't live in a fairy tale, all right? You got your Max Verstappen 17 wins. You got your <laughs> Fernando Alonso several podiums. What more do you want? A win. All right, fair Alonso enough. Alonso wins. Yeah, yeah. yeah, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Um, but yeah, it was incredibly <laughs> crucial uh, for, for Alonso's race, but... It just let. It was my immediate reaction on the Twitch watch along, which was, why isn't Hamilton defending that? Did Hamilton know deep down that his race wasn't with the Fernando Alonso and the Aston Martin, potentially? But it was still just like a. He left a car's width, and Fernando took it. And I don't know. Maybe maybe Lewis went into it a little bit dejected, knowing full well what that Mercedes pace had uh, after the sprint. But, I mean, there was a strange team radio as well, wasn't there, with him where he was basically laughing back at them, saying, like, I am pushing and uh, I have been for the last five laps sort of thing. So, yeah, all was not great in the Mercedes camp, but we will get on to that. Before we do, it's time for my most memorable moment. Memorable? (laughs) Was it a moment? (laughs) Charles Leclerc. This, this moment, this, 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 Thing that happened was one of the worst experiences I've actually had as a Charles Leclerc fan. And you might be thinking, how, Matt? He's not challenging for anything. He's not in the championship hunt. Was he really going to win the race? No. But there was hope. There was <laughs> delirium. Delirium always goes up, especially when Charles Leclerc's on the front row. And I saw those brand new, just squeaky clean, polished soft tires ready to throw one up the inside of Max Verstappen into turn one and then anything is possible anything maybe not Max Verstappen was still going to win but there was just hope and then just to you know you're on a, it was unsuspecting as well I think that was the main problem for me I was just sat there oh you know formation lap yeah getting ready for a Brazilian Grand Prix hard cut straight to Charles Leclerc in the wall yeah. How do, how does anyone emotionally and mentally prepare themselves for their favourite driver to be in the wall halfway around the formation lap in dry conditions? Yes. Uh, I mean, I, I know other drivers have had had bad luck and, you know, even Science. I think, uh, I can't remember what race it was that Science couldn't even start. Was it Qatar maybe? Um, so, you know. I think it was, yeah. Yeah, the Ferrari have had their, both of them have had like bad luck and stuff, but it did feel like that kind of thing, like this could only happen to Charles Leclerc. Um, you know, 
he's not even got to turn one and had a problem. Like, how is the car failing when they're just pootling around to get on the grid? It's it's quite unbelievable, really. Um, and he's not wrong when he gets on the radio and says, why am I so unlucky? Like, the guy must have, like, how many ladders has that man walked under <laughs> uh, around Monaco? Because, yeah, he's having no luck at all. And it would have been great to see what Leclerc could have done um, because, yeah, maybe he'd have dived up the inside or whatever uh, or at least had a go on those soft tyres. We didn't even get to to see it. No, we did not. You know, perhaps he takes the lead and then Lando still has that amazing start and he gets up to P3 and all of a sudden it's Leclerc, Verstappen, Norris and they're all fighting around. And Who knows? That's the, that is the main thing here is that no one will ever know because it never happened. Question, Marco Rimaldi 18. How does what happened on the formation lap affect the monthly cost of Matt's therapy? No, realistically, um, I don't, I, it doesn't affect my monthly cost of, of therapy. Um, what it does cost me is, well, no, actually, it helps me with my, my, uh, my delirium in the sense of, like, there's always a part of you that goes... But Matt, you're just coping. You're just delirious. And each time something bad happens, the the sort of sane side of me will start to override. So eventually I'll never get excited about any Ferrari performance ever again. And perhaps that's the best way to protect myself moving forward. Although when Charles gets pole position at Las Vegas, you'll be jumping for joy, no matter what. Who knows, Tommy? We'll have to wait and see what happens. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, goodness me. Uh little little plug for our, our live shows but if anyone listened to the first live show we did a very uh, short section uh, that was actually surprisingly long to say that our first ever live show was in april and we did a little <laughs> compilation video of uh, matt's ferrari pain um not sure if the runtime is long enough to play all the clips uh from this season now because uh, there's certainly a lot of them but yeah, I mean, and this we'll particular see. clip was, was you know, I didn't actually really say anything in the clip. It was more just you laughing at me and not really quite I believing just, I was what just, had happened. I, couldn't believe I it. just like, love your instant reaction is laughing when you see Charles Leclerc in some kind of DNA. Because I just know that you're yeah, that, that just going to be, yeah. your eyes just light up. You get the, like, you, no, your like... reaction is brilliant. Yeah, I, I'm just like... It's mainly as well because our Twitch chat goes absolutely nuts. And we had sick. about 6,000 people at the start of the race, or 8,000 or something, and it got up to 21,000 live people watching, which which shows, was it 23? Yeah. Which shows that an additional, like, you know, 10, 15,000 people are like, All oh, I need to go and see what Matt's up to right now. That that yeah. was their instant reaction to that. And if you think, and if you see that on paper, you go, "Oh, isn't that lovely?" They're all checking in on Matt to see if he's doing okay. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. They 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 want me, and I know there's probably a lot of you that are listening to this podcast right now, and you are one of them. That you know, you just like to watch the race. You don't tune into our watchalongs, but you might do when something big happens, and you want to see me crying, me emotionally in turmoil. And then you're all like, ha, 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 Matt, ha, 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 didn't even make the first corner, ha, ha, ha. And, you know, whatever, it's fine. Um, and I just told you all to F off, so, you know, uh, who's the real winner? 
Right, let's move on now because there's no much, there's nothing. I mean, how do you reflect any more on Charles Leclerc's race when it was half a formation lap? You don't really. Let's, let's in fact reflect on uh, another team that we have slightly touched upon. Mega versus Primus asks, what on earth happened to Mercedes? They went from a 1-2 last year to a P8 DNF. I think they've just got everything really wrong this weekend. Perhaps it was just the one practice session, because of course that's when Park Ferme is, is locked in after that, and teams are very much forced into basically trying to learn everything in a one-hour session. But everybody's got the same, the same problem ahead of them, so it's not like it's just for Mercedes, but they, they whacked on a whole load of downforce. I'll tell you that for free. Like We saw that in qualifying. They were both a tenth and a half up on Norris going through the middle sector of the final Q3 lap, only to end up four tenths slower. That in itself just tells you everything you need to know about how slow that Mercedes was in a straight line. We had Alpine, the wheelbarrow in a straight line, going past them, although I will say in FP1 they did have the fastest speed in the speed trap, but I feel like they may have dialed that back slightly for for the actual race because it didn't seem to be the fastest, but don't quote me on that. Um, but my God, they were, they just got it wrong. I think the setup of the car was completely wrong. I don't think that Mercedes is inherently bad. We've seen it be very, very good in the last few races, but every direction they took in that one hour practice session to then lock in their setup was wrong. It sure was. I mean, it's absolutely insane to me and it, it's maybe unfair to go, two in on them because they still are second in the championship i think that's more the fact that a lot of teams have maybe flip-flopped more um you know it is a close fight between other teams and they've uh, it's helped that they've got two brilliant drivers but if you were a new formula one fan and didn't know anything about the sport and you watched that race you would be very surprised to hear that that was the team that had dominated Formula One and looked unbeatable for years and years and years to the point where you'd go into races and go, well, it's a foregone conclusion. No one will stop Mercedes. They're the best. They're going to win everything. There's no point watching. Like, they're so far clear. And it was everything. You know, the the car set was bad. The straight line speed was embarrassing. The, the tyre wear was abysmal. Um even to the point where it was quite clear that Russell was quicker and they should have just let him go and see what he could have done and Hamilton was holding him up. And they did a Ferrari, we are checking. I can't remember what the exact phrase was. We are was. discussing. We are discussing. Um, you know, uh, and then even even like the pit stops are just a bit mediocre. It's like, how is this the team that was so bulletproof and incredible? And uh, I think... Yeah, I think you saw the the kind of anguish in Toto's face, really, that I can't believe it's, you know, two years into the regulations and they look, you know, Hamilton has finished one minute behind Verstappen and you thought, after, after Imola when Hamilton got lapped by Verstappen, you were kind of like, oh, well, you know, Mercedes... They've got the, they've got things wrong. They need to, you know, next year they'll come back and be better. They came back, the side pod thing still wasn't right. They've changed their philosophy. Still nowhere, and it's and it's even more embarrassing that customer teams, McLaren, Aston Martin, are ahead of them. 
Um, that's the big thing. That's that the big, is the big it's thing. Like they it just they have to that... be finishing ahead of customer teams. Oh, 100%. Given an engine and, they, and you're like, we'll go figure it out. They're the ones that build it. They know everything. They know the ins and the outs, every millimeter. Uh, yeah. So... I know I know McLaren and Aston Martin are more established t- teams than this, but you know we we banter with Ferrari, but if they were getting beaten by Haas and Alfa Romeo, like that's absolutely shocking, uh, and that is in theory kind of what what Mercedes are g- getting done by. You know, they, they're, they're supplying engines and then getting beaten by them. That should not should not happen, and uh, I I think uh, I got to say that since they you know were winning the the championship and in this new era i think that weekend has got to go down as like the lowest of the low for mercedes of just how how poorly their their weekend was can't really got (laughs) any worse yeah it 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 was a a weekend to to really forget i think for for mercedes the sprint was dreadful uh, and you think, oh, the race will be better because they won't be forced to go on 24-lap old softs and this, that, and the other. And then for Hamilton's final stop, he had to do 25 laps on the soft tyres. And you're just like, okay, so maybe they do have to do exactly what they saw in the sprint. And they didn't have pace on the mediums. Hamilton said after his final pit stop, he wished he'd gone on the hards rather than uh, a scrubbed set of softs. And it just seems very disjointed because every everything we've heard about the hard tyres that weekend in particular was... They the only thing they're good for, I think Martin Brundle said, was to prop the the wheel rims off the floor. So it's it's I don't know. It yeah, just Hamilton seemed like was maybe just desperate that, at that point. <laughs> to yeah, do anything. yeah, probably desperate to do something different. But I think you know with hard tires, it could have been even worse. Uh, so yeah, definitely something to to forget, especially uh, considering it was a one-two last year. And you know we say about this customer engines team, you go, oh, you know maybe you know they're beating them, but Lando Norris finished eight seconds behind Max Verstappen. That there there is potential. It's to do with the actual car and how they're building it rather than the engine, which, of course, is something that um, has been so important for so many years in Formula One. Um, One thing before you move on, actually, and I'm very sorry to the person. You'll know who your question was. I thought I put this in the the sheet, um, but I thought it was an interesting point that someone made on Twitter. I'll try and find it uh, to to shout you out during this. Um, But someone asked, actually, that, should Mercedes have maybe even thought about starting from the pit lane because their setup was so wrong? And it's maybe in hindsight that you look at it now and think that it may be a bit silly to do that. But when you look at the fact that, say, like a Yuki Sonoda started right at the back and has got points and only finished a few seconds behind Hamilton, you do wonder if Mercedes maybe should have just started from the pits, completely reset the car and then just <laughs> hope for the best because uh, based on how the sprint went, it went very similar and they just had absolutely no pace and had to essentially drive a 71-lap race with a car that was just completely wrong because of Park Fermi rules. Yeah, I think I would say for that particular comment, it's very much with benefit of hindsight. Yeah. You know, track conditions can change. Th- cars can come alive for reasons that even F1 teams sometimes don't understand. Uh, so, you know, can you imagine if we'd said, ah, Hamilton and Russell have given up wherever they started on the grid? Was it fifth and sixth? Or yeah, no, yeah. Started sixth. Hamilton started sixth, didn't he? Uh, Hamilton was fifth and George had a penalty. And was oh, that was it, George. Seventh, I think. But yeah, can you imagine, like, you know, that they gave up those positions? We'd be sat here going, 
why would you do that? Like, is that <laughs> what a what a stupid thing? And perhaps yeah, maybe yeah. as well that Mercedes maybe didn't have an answer. Now, maybe Mercedes would have again been throwing sort of caution to the wind and gone, okay, well, you know, we're going to change the car to this, but we don't know if that's going to be any better because again, they only had one hour of practice. So mm. I think it's easier probably said than done uh, when it comes to that one. This episode is sponsored by Tennis Channel Plus. Witness history at the French Open, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May the 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Next question, Margaridaps18. Do you think Lando should have stayed out in the last 10 laps and tried the two-stop strategy? Okay, Max was gaining quite a lot per lap, but considering how far third place was behind them, did he have anything to lose by trying? Worst case scenario, he would finish P2 like he did anyway. I understand why McLaren did what they did. Uh, they, 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 went, they stayed out for a couple more laps, didn't they? they? They allowed Lando to lead the race. Max Verstappen starts closing closing in two, three seconds a lap easily uh, on Lando. And I think from a fan's perspective, obviously, we're wishing, we're praying, oh, Lando, just stay out. You never know what could happen. You could get a safety car. But even if the safety car had been thrown after we, you know, after Lando, you know, made the decision to come into the uh, pits, he still wouldn't have had a free pit stop to then be ahead of Max Verstappen. So what McLaren have done is, okay, well, let's see if we get a free, a, you know, a free-ish pit stop in these next couple of laps. Nope, we didn't. We're now going into the territory of do we take these medium tires another 10 laps into a bit of an unknown? We don't know that we could get a puncture. There could be a massive drop-off with Lando's tyres. Does he then come under pressure from, from Alonso and Perez on a much more conventional strategy? So I can see where all the team are just constantly thinking about all these scenarios. And it was a roll of the dice. There was no way Lando was going to beat Max Verstappen, especially after the fact he wouldn't have got a free pit stop and stayed ahead of Max. So I get it. I totally get why they would have uh, why they pit Lando where they, when they did, and I'm not even angry about it. No, I mean, I'm glad they tried. Uh, to do something a little bit different, like leave him out just long enough to see a kind of, oh, maybe this could work. But as soon as Max goes two, two and a bit seconds quicker, it's like, well, yeah, it's it's not going to happen. And then, of course, now we know uh, with the Alonso and Perez battle, that risk, if they had dropped behind Alonso, Alonso proved in that race that he's not an easy man to pass. And... Uh, even though Lando finished 30 seconds clear, he might not have easily just flown by Fernando. I think he may have got past him, but, you know, so if, risk, he stuck, if he's stuck behind no Perez and Alonso uh, and you know, the DRS isn't powerful enough or he can't get by, then they look really stupid uh, and they've just thrown away a second place just for a, like, a, oh, we might beat Max if something crazy happens, but... Uh, yeah, it's, it's tough because as fans want to see Max get challenged and we and it's almost like a less extreme version of Mercedes when, you know, we wanted Hamilton to stay out in 
uh, Austin and things like that that were kind of like, oh my God, please just try anything to to do it. But then you get into the territory of teams just throwing away really good results in the hope that they can beat Max Verstappen, which is very, very difficult. Uh, and actually looking back on, on this race, because uh, it's not a question of it, so we might as well mention it now, is it almost, because the middle of the race was actually quite dull, it, I've almost forgotten until I watched the highlights that Norris did actually catch Max at one point and have a very good chance to pass him. Mm. And it didn't quite happen. And then it was literally only that one time. Uh, but what might have been, we were like, oh my God, Lando's actually battling him for the lead. This is insane. Then I tweeted and then it was 1.7 seconds the gap. So um, I want to apologise. Sorry, I got excited. Uh, I think everybody got kind of baited. I think even Max, he's toying with all of us. He's like, all right, I'll let, I'll let Lando get a bit close. You know, we'll, we'll give the TV you know, just a little bit of action. Four corners to be precise. And then bye. 2.3, 2.7. We'll keep the gap there. And then we'll just constantly extend it. It was... Yeah, it was a bit of a strange moment to see Max Verstappen actually throwing a defensive shape uh, to any other car. I was like, "Oh wow, Max defending! This is yeah, this is new. Has he forgotten how to defend?" Like, gonna... yeah, exactly. But no, it was it was it was good to watch, but sadly, it didn't didn't continue no, for more than good. two corners. <laughs> yes, exactly. Sad times. Next question, Zero X Fusions. Why were Daniel and Oscar not allowed to unlap themselves before the restart? In the past, we have seen cars be let out before the others complete a lap and then join the back of the formation lap and be back on the lead lap. You got any insight into this, Tommy? Have you got any extra insight? No, if we find out, we'll maybe mention it more in the driver ratings. I had a listen to Daniel Ricciardo's interview uh, and he just said, like, it was annoying <laughs> uh, because, yeah, that they found out that they were a lap down, and it was strange because obviously they had the the issues. They came into the pits, then there was the red flag, uh, and you could you can if you watch the start again, you can see that Daniel and Oscar drive down the pit lane. They come in and pit on the first lap, uh, and then yeah, they're already a lap behind. So it's yeah, it's weird that they didn't essentially start at the front from the formation lap and then could unlap themselves. There must have been some some Timing. boring procedure. Yeah, which they couldn't do it. You think in 2023 they can't just click an extra a lap on the timing system or, or something like that. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was really frustrating for sure because, you know, you think when you're behind a safety car, the lap cars are allowed to go through. It's and so early in the race as well that you've essentially yeah. lost a whole lap on lap one. Like, yeah, it's, it's actually sucks. mad, especially <laughs> when you've had a like you've had a formation lap to go to the grid. Like, why? I, I I don't know. Maybe it's because they don't want to do any more running than that. I guess it's not behind a safety car, so they wouldn't do any more than one lap. So how would they then unlap themselves if they're going straight to the grid? Yeah, I don't know. I, f I feel like there is definitely a solution that could be done for this, and this is like one of those archaic Formula One rules that's just been there forever. And they're like, well, you know, this is how it works. Because of timing and because of procedures and it's all on an electronic system where they have to go through certain sectors rather than them just going on a bit of code and typing delete one lap. <laughs> do you know, yeah, do you know code, what I mean? Tommy. Um, some code in your locker, have you? Yeah, hacks. 
um <laughs> get the old html coding um but no uh it's a shame for daniel and oscar because you look at the uh the rate of attrition as well like very rare to see um only 14 cars finishing and obviously two of them were just game over from the start because they were a lap down uh, and ricardo had very good pace uh piastri again wasn't wasn't that far behind ricardo as well um i don't think piastri's pace was to write home about but i think the two of them would definitely have scored points um if they'd have been allowed to to race you know uh, well maybe not definitely but i think they'd have slotted in behind sonoda um and yeah, we, we could have seen a double Alpha Tauri points again and they'd have had an unbelievable weekend after what looked like a very floppy start. Yeah, it's really hard to kind of measure Ricardo and Piastri. Of course, Ricardo beat Piastri in the end, but Oscar was absolutely and fairly being used as a bit of a guinea pig for, for Lando Norris, sort of uh, telling the team uh, how the medium tyres are feeling and that, this, that and the other. And I think that's why Lando stayed out for so long on the softs. Uh, and they couldn't Piastri fix his car as well, because I know everyone will yeah. be shouting that that his car wasn't 100% fixed, Piastri's either. Exactly. Um, so it's hard to to really measure on that one. But um, they did a great job, both for Daniel Ricciardo's car and for Oscar Piastri's car, to even get them into the race. Although I think they probably both were wishing they'd just kind of like had been able to just have a chill rather than be a lap down for the whole race and just do a test session, basically. Uh, but I'm sure Piastri's uh, feedback helped help Lando in the long run. Not that it would have really changed his result because he was 26 seconds clear of Alonso. But um, yeah, a shame for both of them because it would have been nice to have seen where they would have ended up. Gene Sullivan 27 asks a question. Who was a bigger disappointment? The TV directors or Charles Leclerc's car? Who, what are these questions? Did you pick that one on purpose, Tommy? Are you Gene Sullivan 27? Is that your burner account? <laughs> you just like seeing me hurt, don't you? Um, for me, I mean, quite obvious that I would probably pick Charles Leclerc here, but a very close second was the TV direction. It was one of the poorest races I've seen in terms of uh, the direction that was happening um, via, the, uh, via the international feed and how they were basically cutting away from the most... Well, there wasn't that many important parts in this race, but the important parts that we were having, we could only see via the the, the split time on the left of our screen because we had, was it Perez and Alonso fighting uh, out the pits? We're like, oh, where's Missed Perez going to come yeah. out? Where's Perez going to come out in the grand scheme? Oh, we're looking at Hamilton getting passed by an Alpine or whatever it was. And it happened again. There was two separate occasions where the pit lane... We were focusing on the pit lane. I think one of the times it wasn't actually that close. It was like three and a half seconds. But there's one time, sorry, one time, okay, you're like, fine, you've made a mistake. Twice, what are you doing? Do you have any wheel knowledge whatsoever, the person that is, that is making those decisions? It's bewildering. And it was so infuriating. Not just that, but the, the battle for the lead, which lasted a very small amount of time. But the second, I see Lando Norris under a second, behind Max Verstappen, show me it. They were showing Whether it's a Romeo's. small box or a big, big box, one of them, show me it. That is what we're here for, not for your stupid replays. Oh, the replays was freaking me off a lot. Like, wow. yeah, 
uh, it was actually infuriating. This is something that I've ranted about for ages. And I think, you know, we had races in 2022 where I said the same thing, where when you get tracks like Brazil, where, and we, we saw this with Fernando and Perez and stuff, that the other person gets DRS back. Just because the move has been completed, don't cut to the replay the second. Like, I want to see a bit of live action. I want to absorb the overtake. I want to see if the other person can get back, even if it's not in an overtaking zone. I want to see two cars close together going through the infield section. I don't care that they probably won't be able to pass there. I want to see live battling. We don't need to see the replays. There was enough of that race where not a lot was happening that they could have shown their 50,000 replays that they need to do. It's too quick. They're too trigger happy with the replays that they feel like they have to show it. And I don't know about you, but when I see a brilliant overtake, I want to kind of absorb it. I don't need to be like, oh, what just happened? Um, what just happened? I need to see that again. I've and, forgotten. Yeah, I've forgotten. And if it's a case where like people are like on their phones and miss it, then that's their problem. <laughs> but oh, it's yeah, true. Exactly. Like wind it back if you've got that luxury, or or like they'll show the replays the later. Luxury of winding but it's, back. But it's true. Like HSL. Exactly. It just but annoys no, it's, it's me. A good point. It, it annoys me. Point. And also, we. <laughs> I can't believe this happened. The only time I felt like we saw the mini box, the whole race was for a Lance Stroll pit stop. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Why? It was. Why now? Why, Why now? now? It's like they I went, they went we're a, just going to remind movie. you that the mini box exists, but we're not going to show anything interesting in it. They're basically baiting us. Yeah. They're like, we could use this box. <laughs> Here's Lance Stroll. That they've, I reckon they've memed us. I reckon, I reckon it gone, is literally. We're they've... getting criticised here, and let's not forget the biggest criticism they've ever got is the Lance Stroll replay at Monaco. So they've gone. Let's stick a Lance Stroll pit stuff up on the on the small box, shall we? Even though it's not <sighs> the case, it literally felt like they watched our rant yesterday, and they were just trolling us the whole time. Like, they let's do the mini box, but for a relevant thing, this will piss them off. Go on, yeah, I dare you to go even harder on us, guys. <laughs> Come on. Uh, wow, oh, that, was a, that was a squeak. I don't know if that was your chair or your, it was or your my, it was my chair, voice. Yeah. No, nah, I think that was your voice. It was like a... Anyway, um, <laughs> yes, the, the TV direction was, was really, really disappointing. I think it, it does. It hits harder when the races are not great. Uh, Brazil, unfortunately, didn't deliver to the level of which we wanted it to and were praying for it to be, and perhaps the level of expectation was so far through the roof and perhaps it's due to my brazilian wig that i was wearing that maybe i caused some problems for for the sunday race but it, it makes it even more frustrating when something's going on and I, I know that sky sports don't manage the the tv direction but that you know their whole messaging is like sky sports it's only live once it's only live once and then yeah it's or, not their fault one, it's live zero it. times but we have four replays for you here you go yeah it's only it's live not once, but you'll get to see it again six times from every angle and then miss the next bit of action because we're showing replays. And then we'll see a replay of that action <laughs> that you've just missed. Uh, but it's not obviously not Sky that, that, that does that sort of stuff. But anyway, let's move on. Biggest winner, driver or team? 
Ooh, well, Aston I know Martin. who you're going for. <laughs> no, yeah, Aston Martin. Team, I think. team is very fair as well. Yeah, I think Aston Martin. Cut the strolls. Stroll finished six seconds behind Alonso. I know Alonso was pulling a lot of defensive manoeuvres, which would have lost him a bit of time, but still. Lance Stroll was chefing as well. So fair play, Aston Martin. Yeah, I'm going to lock in biggest winner for that. And are you going to go for Aston Martin or Fernando Alonso in particular, just so you can talk about him a little bit more? I mean, to be fair, if I, I'd i almost say Yuki Tsunoda, the fact that if we're talking about the whole weekend, the fact that he got double points, which is a minor miracle for AlphaTauri when they've not scored many points. And it is absolutely insane that we went so much of the season with only a few races left where AlphaTauri barely scored any points and were so far clearly last in the title, they're now seven points off Williams and could end up P7. And that doesn't feel like it's absolutely outrageous for them to do now. No, and I mean, they're only 87 behind Alpine, so a really good couple of last <laughs> races, and they, they could get sixth as well. But no, that is that the is triple miraculous. points finale in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine that? They're, like, they're looking at the Verstappen to Perez gap, and uh, oh God, we're going we're gonna to have to give out 10 times points in order for Perez to even have a <laughs> shot here, which is crazy to which say is still loud. almost not enough no it isn't yes. enough that is actually no. mad 11 times that you could you could do 10 times the point for the finale and Perez still wouldn't win if he won oh and Max DNF'd my. oh my goodness that is actually me. bonkers isn't it that is depressing uh, if you like competitive sport all the way to the last race uh, biggest loser driver or team oh, I yeah, Mercedes is very much up there. Alfa Romeo is also up there. Both of their cars out and what we've just spoken about as well. They they were in a fight with Alfa Tauri, but they're losing losing ground uh, on them now. They're now five points behind yep. Alfa Tauri with a couple of races to go. So I would say probably Alfa Romeo are, are losing more by the fact that they are losing touch with with P8 in the, in the constructors. It's a lot of money for these kind of teams. Haas with a miracle performance. Could they overthrow them? Four points behind with a couple of races to go as well. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to lock in Alfa Romeo. Fair. I will just go for Mercedes. Just uh, m maybe it's, it's almost like it's not that disastrous, but it is for Mercedes standards and the fact that there was so much hype. Um, and I guess it does put maybe some pressure on them, uh, like put pressure with Ferrari going into those last two races when, when Leclerc was in... Uh, the barrier they should have quite easily you know come away from that race with a lot more points than ferrari and they ended up losing ground losing. to them so yeah yeah that was crazy to think that how quickly signs got on the back of the pair of them got past them and then of course russell having that dnf uh, meant that signs yeah scored a p6 and hamilton a p8 so yeah it should be, could be interesting if ferrari come out the blocks firing in, in vegas as to who gets p2 in the constructors it's a lot of money Right, let's now look back at our predictions, shall we, that we made on Wednesday. Good. Let's start with <laughs> shall biggest. We? Let's start with biggest good surprise then. I went for Charles Leclerc. Do I regret Oof. it? Yes. Every fibre of my being regrets putting Charles Leclerc into my basket as the only driver that I was going to pick XYs into my basket. And uh I've pre I've paid the price. You have. Uh, my biggest good surprise was Fernando Alonso. 
and boy was that probably the only I good don't know was he was season. he really that good was he really good that that good I mean <laughs> was he really, really good getting a pony no, uh, no, yeah uh, that was I mean even even I said biggest good surprise thinking I was like I might get a f- P5 or 6 and I think that would be a worthy worthy surprise podium yeah, fight it podium was was wild so yeah very wild so well done one point for you how many points were you behind tommy going into this can we remind the audience please uh two good oh well that's fantastic biggest flop i was i was in dreamland after friday not because i wanted to see AlphaTauri do badly but because i thought i'd been on to an absolute worldie uh and then they scored double points which i don't think they've done the entire and double points obviously with yuki sonoda both times don't think they've done that the entire year so well done your you normally nail these i think the universe got confused and I thought you said yeah i got it the wrong way around because oh wow charles leclerc has literally gone off on the formation lap so it would have been probably the biggest flop and yeah. Alpha Tauri are arguably one of the biggest good surprises of the whole whole weekend so i think the what universe you're telling has been me confused. right now what you're telling me right now is half a point. Is minus point. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> biggest flop that went for Red Bull, which, uh, no, Max Verstappen is too strong. Why did I even attempt it? You, you tried. You tried, my friend. You tried. Uh, pole position, I went for Charles Leclerc. No. <laughs> I went for Lando Norris, and that was actually a really good wrong. prediction, and it was just like, no, wrong one. he's going to, yeah, wrong one again. That's happened twice. To be fair, now. you got it the wrong way around as well for pole and sprint shootout. Yeah. Uh, so sprint shootout, I went for Charlotte Leclerc. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Good. And you went for Verstappen. I went for Verstappen. Zero. Sprint winner, I went for Charlotte Leclerc. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Uh, and you went for Verstappen. You boring. I'm joking. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Congratulations. So now we are level on points right now. Oh my word. Oh, we are okay. messing this up. Good. Right. My top three, or our top three, because we go through both of them. Third place, I went for Charlotte Leclerc. <laughs> I went for Charlotte Leclerc. Good. You went for? Colour science. Also, not no. very good. In second place, I went for Lewis Hamilton. No. Second place, Lando Norris. Yes. Tommy Leeds. Tommy He's is taken one the point lead. ahead. What a move. Oh, but look at this. Fernando Alonso's coming back on the last lap <laughs> because I went for first place, Max Verstappen. And he's levelled the points again. What's Tommy gone for? Lewis Hamilton. Hey! And hold on. There's another final one crazy prediction. Gallagher, out of nowhere. The sprint will be better than the main race. Oh, what a move. We're back to one point ahead. Definitely, right? Yeah, yeah, it's fair. It was. I've nailed that. And I didn't you want have. to nail it. I'm oh, sorry. No. How could you? Uh, and what did you do? Can you level it? No, <laughs> Red Bull. <laughs> Red Bull won't win. What was I thinking? Um, well, you had to be fair. Best. Well done. We're within a point now. We we are One cooking point. with this with this thing. Like one point with two races to go. <laughs> Baby, we, the funniest thing is we haven't actually. That's wild that it is actually this close. I know we banter that we're kind of like Michael massing it, but. We, we yeah, do predict we, what we, we don't think talk is going to happen. Our predictions. No, no. The, the, only, the first time we talk about our predictions is in the uh, in the show because yeah. we want it to be you know a bit of a surprise, and uh, that's amazing. It just shows that we are equal on wheel knowledge slash delirium. Uh, and finally, uh, the three crazy predictions from you wonderful people: Hector Force Smash, Checo Podium, 
you are half a tenth away from getting that right. Uh, King Leon Juiced, there won't be any VSCs or safety cars. That's incorrect. There was a safety car at the start. And Jones RF873, double Hass points. No, no, that did not happen. And that is it. Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening to this P1 podcast for the Brazilian Grand Prix. Thank you for joining us over on Twitch over the course of the weekend. It was lots of fun. Uh, we're flying out to America on Saturday, uh, so we won't be here for the Twitch watch-alongs for, for Vegas, but we'll be doing all of our normal content, as you know and love from us. And we'll be bringing you all of that and some extra stuff as well whilst we're out in America, which is going to be very, very exciting. What are your final thoughts, Tom Bellingham? My final thoughts are make sure you grab those P1 Live Show tickets. Don't um and ah because they're selling quick and we all need to see the six-hour Charles Leclerc compilation <laughs> <laughs> live. Mate, the, the, the one we did in April, obviously that was quite a short <laughs> clip, but it, it was it was such a weird thing because obviously we do Twitch watch-alongs and we do podcasts and stuff, and but we never have that sort of audience feedback, that like no, immediate audience weird. feedback. And to have people like literally like bellow laughing in the show and stuff. And like you were like dropping, even not in the, the, the Charles Leclerc stuff, but you'd just be saying the odd thing in, you know, the Tom Bellingham kind of way. And people were like, ah, ah, <laughs> love a bit of weird. Tommy. I know, you know it, was, it was mega, but it was such a cool experience. And we've gone bigger and better this year. So if you want to come to the P1 London live show for, or the Manchester live show, the Glasgow one has, has finished now uh, in terms of sales. So, uh, sold out that's the that's the term i'll get there eventually uh, then please do come along we'd love to have you there and that is it thank you everybody we'll see you very soon for driver ratings tomorrow and lots of other content that you know that we do bye 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 goodbye bye bye P1 is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.